Support for The Motley Fool and Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Home plays a big role in your life. That's why Quicken Loans created Rocket Mortgage. It lets you apply simply and understand the entire mortgage process fully so you can be confident that you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to quickenloans.com fool. Welcome to Industry Focus, a podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. It's Tuesday, March 6th, and I'm your host, Vincent Chen. We've heard your feedback for 2018, Fools, and we are going to continue with our coverage of lesser-known sectors and companies in the consumer and retail world. Today, we have a couple of mid-cap stocks for you, mid-cap typically including companies with market caps between $2 and $10 billion. So joining me for this discussion via Skype is senior Motley Fool contributor, Asit Sharma. Hey, Asit, hope all is well all is well on this and vince except that i heard we have another two weeks of cold weather in raleigh north carolina so i'm particularly excited to be talking about the first of these two companies today (laughs) i will (laughs) ask with some of the crazy weather recently do you guys get hit by a lot of wind the past week yeah I had to struggle to keep my toupee on about a week ago. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So the first company, and both of these companies you pitched to me, Asset, I'm really glad that you kind of brought them onto our radar. The first one is Pool Corporation, ticker P-O-O-L. Very fitting. So let's jump right into it. What is Pool, and how did they end up on your radar, actually? Sure. I run screen... Vince, as I'm sure you do, and many of our listeners do, uh, you can find screening um, software on Yahoo Finance or Google Finance. And I like to look at companies which have a quiet but steady trend upward. And I was doing screen filtering for mid-cap stocks, as you gave the definition at the beginning of the podcast, uh, those which typically are having market capitalizations between 2 and $10 billion. And this one popped up. I wasn't very familiar with Pool Corporation. Uh, although I know it to be a steadily growing business. And I like those businesses, which over time just inch up because that takes some of the volatility out of your investment. Uh, So I'll jump right in and talk a little bit about Pool. It was incorporated in 1993 and had an IPO in October in 1995. This is a company which has a market capitalization of about $6 billion and $2.8 billion in annual sales. It's the world's largest distributor of swimming pool supplies, equipment, and related leisure leisure projects. And it claims to be one of the three largest distributors of irrigation products in the United States. So this is an interesting industry because it's very fragmented. There are a ton of manufacturers who make everything from chemicals to keep your pool clean to uh, repair substrates when you have to gum over the tiles in swimming pools. Um, And this company has 351 sales centers across North America, Europe, South America, and Australia, to which it sells its products to very small companies. These are everything from mom-and-pop pool repair shops to retail supply stores. So it has come into an industry with no real solid competitor just because, you know, from what I've been speaking about, it's extremely fragmented. So... All in all, an extremely interesting under-the-radar company. Yeah, I will say that both of the companies that we're going to talk about today are don't get nearly as much attention 
And this includes, you know, through Motley Fool coverage, but also across Wall Street and the investment community um, in terms of the number of, for example, research analysts covering these companies. And so we, it's always nice to bring companies like this flying under the radar to the intention of our listeners. But what you mentioned in terms of the fragmented space is really important here because Pool definitely enjoys some major scale and network effect benefits. The biggest player in the space. So, with their suppliers, for example, they can place the biggest orders. And their customers, which are mostly small businesses, they have 100,000 retail and commercial customers in total. Um, they can These customers can turn to Pool as essentially their one-stop shop for a lot of different products to fill their own inventory, which, is very, which has been very beneficial for this company. And just adding some uh, more detail to that with these numbers, they, have, they sell 180,000 products across 500 product lines and 50 product categories. And just to note, the biggest one of those is pool and spa chemicals, with about 12% of the company's revenue in 2017. And then the large, large majority, 98% of their customers are small, are these really small businesses. And we really have an, kind of an 800-pound gorilla for this industry here. So, breaking down a little bit more in terms of their business and their revenue, uh, Pool has a very seasonal business. As you can imagine, their peak activity is from April through September. And something that's really important to note here is, though you might think of pools generally as being kind of a luxury, discretionary uh, uh thing that consumers have access to, that they'll spend money on, uh, adding it to their homes. Uh, a significant portion of the revenue for the company is tied to routine maintenance and repairs, which are much more stable and dependable. So, with 60% or so about the, uh, of customer spending tied to maintenance and repairs, that's much more non-discretionary. And we, you can kind of see this come through during the Great Recession. Uh, uh, this company, uh, like many across the entire economy, took a hit, but you'll see that their, uh, their maintenance and repair revenue rose to about 70% of their sales during that period. So, again, uh, still some consistency there. And then another 25% of their top line comes from replacement and refurbishment. Uh, and this is helped because the overall age of Pools, installed pools in this country um, is is they're aging, and so they need more replacement. Uh, they need more repairs and refurbishment, which is definitely another benefit for the company. And then the remaining fifteen percent of revenue for pool comes from new construction. Um, keep in mind that only a small base, only about eleven percent of the eighty million homes in the U.S. I believe have that can house a pool have one. So. There's an opportunity there, and we'll also speak to how uh, the current uh, construction of an installation of new pools is kind of at lower levels compared to historic ones. So let's get a little bit more into some of their customer relationships, also the management team and the progress they're making. What, uh, what kind of things have stood out to you, Asit? Uh, we wanted to expand a little bit on the statistics that you just read sure. because it talks about the opportunity that pool has going forward. So the Great Recession, which Vince mentioned in 2008-2009, really hit this industry hard, as you might imagine. And the company has rebounded with the industry. But since 2008-2009, management says that new pool construction is still only at 50% of pre-recession levels. Yep. So they see a lot of growth opportunity. Mm -hmm. Most of the industries that we cover have rebounded and recession is, is in the rearview mirror. But it's still very much uh, in the front of companies which do the infrastructure for pools. Now, I'm, I'm taken by this statistic 
Uh, I don't personally own a pool, but we had one when I was growing up. I was so surprised to find uh, what Vitz mentioned, that only 15% of consumer spending is on new pool construction. But if you own a pool or have ever owned one, you know that the real money comes in buying those uh, chemicals and uh, doing the repair. Then there's landscaping, which is another side revenue business that this company has. So if you look at where the highest concentrations of swimming pools are in the U.S., these are also the fastest, some of the fastest growing economic areas. 94% of this company's sales are in the U.S., and that breaks down to 50% of sales in four states. And I don't think this will surprise anyone listening today. Those states are California, Florida, Texas, and Arizona. If you think about the metropolitan areas in each of those states, uh, these are among the fastest growing uh, metros in the U.S., and it's a great place if you are in an industry which is growing to be able to be concentrated in these markets. Um, I talked about 95% being a uh, concentration of revenue in North America. I'm also enthused by the fact that the global market, if the U.S. is growing at 2 to 4%, the global market is growing at an estimated compounded annual growth rate of over 10%. As economies in the world, developing economies, are starting to accelerate, there is a lot of consumer income splashing around, as we talk about often on the show, in places like Europe, but especially Latin America and Asia. So there's a wide ramp of revenue for a company uh, like Pool, which has learned the gig of providing pool supplies and equipment here in the U.S. to translate that into some of these other continents. So these are the things that really get me excited over the long term about this company. Yeah, and I also note uh, it's a really uh, important what you mentioned how the demand for the new pool installations they're down, you know, 50% from historical levels. I believe something like 65% from their peak levels previously before the recession. So really significant there. And then um, that's why I think it's really important with this company uh, generating a lot of the revenue from that more uh, non-discretionary kind of routine repairs, but then the side business in terms of their irrigation business, the landscaping that they do do, is going to be a little more closely tied to new home construction. And there is that opportunity there as more people decide to, for example, uh, moving into warmer states uh, with retirees and things along those lines, if they choose to install new pools, that's definitely uh, an area of potential growth for them. I just want to note, too, uh, on the management side, uh, the CEO, Manuel Perez de la Mesa, he's held that position since 2001, so very stable leadership here at the company. And um, management has done a good job at consistently expanding their operating and net income margins. Uh, the online channel, another opportunity, represents just 5% of industry sales. And with some of those approved margins, uh, the inventory for turnover for the company, I think it's uh, pretty well executed and run. Uh, the businesses. And then going more into the growth initiatives, um, you've mentioned uh, a few of those assets. Something else that they uh, talked about a lot in some recent presentations, investor calls, is their private label. Uh, so the company's relying on what they call private label and exclusive product offerings, or PLEX. Uh, these improve profitability um, since PLEX products, these private label products, offer about a 7.4 percentage point stronger margins than the OEM non private label products. And the company thinks at some point that 
they could hit in terms of a long-term goal, think 10 to 15 years in the future, about 40% of the pro- of uh, their revenue, the products that they sell, could be in this category. So increasing their profitability and their margins over time, and then something else that they've mentioned in terms of another opportunity is the commercial market. So pool is a much smaller presence here and market share about less than ten percent, and uh, an interesting number that they tout in an investor presentation is that there's sixty five billion dollars of treatable water in this. Uh, part of the industry, the commercial side. And keep in mind, again, that the largest product category for them is those pool and spa chemical treatments. And for the U.S., the market amounts to, about, I believe, about $1.5 billion in new construction, renovation, and maintenance on the commercial side. There's been 18% five-year uh, compound annual growth for this market. So, another area that the company is kind of focused on, moving into season opportunity there. Um, so, final topic before we uh, roll on to our next company, of course, talk a little bit about their stock performance and valuation. Can you take us uh, take it from there, Asset? Absolutely. So, this company has returned to investors 231%. That's total return over the last five years. And those are great numbers. In doing so, it's pushed the forward PE ratio uh, up. And on this show, I often talk about two different measures uh, for this industry, distributors. I think forward PE ratio or price to earnings ratio is a good gauge, and we can compare that to the broader market sector. So this company now trades at a forward PE ratio of about 27. So it's 27 times forward earnings versus the consumer discretionary uh, subsector of the S&P 500, which is currently trading around an aggregate of 21 times forward earnings. The little wrinkle in there is, as Vince mentioned, although this is a a consumer discretionary stock, it has such a built-in revenue stream from that recurring maintenance need. Vince thinks of this sort of as a consumer staple stock, I think, and and he's right to do so. Um, So it trades at a premium to this market, but if we look at the revenue potential, it's probably justified. Um, Pool has return 9% revenue growth and 13% net profit growth between the 2015 and 2016 period. And then last year, the company exhibited 8% revenue growth and 28% net profit growth. So those are great numbers. It has a net profit margin of around 7%, which for a distribution company, that's pretty solid. Typically, you see those a few percentage points lower. So you're paying for growth and you're paying, paying for the prospect of improved profitability uh, in those areas that Vince mentioned, the ability to go to private label to branch out into irrigation. So I don't think this is an overvalued stock. It probably is fairly valued. If you are looking to get into this, do your research, of course. Don't just take our word for it, but uh, maybe take a gradual entry point in 2018. I like this company a lot. Yeah, I'll just add to that. Given that this stock has pretty handily outperformed the broad market, the S&P 500, over one, five, and 10-year time frames, it's up just 11% just year-to-date. Um, and this can be can be considered, I think, by some people as more of a mundane industry, um, not, not quite as flashy as some of the other companies that we talk about, other sectors. Um, but given the way they've been growing their earnings, as you, as you mentioned, Asad, um, and the five-year forecast for their bottom line growth is about 17% per year. So, Quite robust. I think that 
helps to justify a little bit of that premium on the uh, PE valuation, as you mentioned. And the company cites a few long-term trends that they think will be a tailwind for their business. And I want to talk about a few of those before we wrap up here. So, for example, one, I mentioned it a little bit earlier about retirees, but baby boomers are moving south to warmer climates for retirement. And that often means more pools being built and also more maintenance and upkeep. So, for example, 10,000 Americans are estimated to enter retirement every day at the moment. And in 2016, which is the latest data I could find, 600,000 Americans moved from Northeast and Midwest regions farther south. And some of those major retirement centers in South Carolina and Florida saw the most growth among all metro areas in the country. So, pretty compelling story there. And also, in general, homeowners are spending more on their outdoor spaces, whether that's for leisure, for relaxation overall. So again, this can speak to that 50% deficit right now in terms of uh, where in- installations are across uh, the country. And the last thing, and management spoke to this a little bit too, is just the kind of products that are selling really well with consumers when they have their pools built, when they're maintaining them. Uh, it's it's different. It's different now because consumers often want more automation. They want higher tech for their uh, filters, their heating, uh, their robotic vacuum and filters. And these things all often raise demand for other pool products and often command better prices, and that can benefit uh, the small businesses that supply them, and then here, in this case, pool who supplies those businesses. And the company has repurchased actually about $650 million worth of shares in the past five years. And they pay a consistent dividend. Payout ratio is very reasonable, around 30%. So, given that yield, uh, the uh, stock buybacks, the stable portion uh, of their revenue, which is pretty significant part of the top line, and then also the very dominant market position in a very fragmented industry. If you believe in some of those long-term tailwinds I just mentioned and some of the other opportunities that we've talked about so far, I think this is a pretty compelling story. I agree with you, Asit. So, next up, we'll turn our attention to the consumer products conglomerate Spectrum Brands. Support for The Motley Fool and Industry Focus comes from our friends at Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans. Chances are you're confident when it comes to your work, your hobbies, and your life. Rocket Mortgage gives you that same level of confidence when it comes to buying a home or refinancing your existing home loan. Rocket Mortgage is simple, allowing you to fully understand all the details and be confident you're getting the right mortgage for you. To get started, go to quickenloans.com fool. That's quickenloans.com fool. Equal housing lender, licensed in all 50 states, NMLS, consumeraccess.org number 3030. All right, so our next company is Spectrum Brand Brands Holdings, ticker SPB. So we're going to spend some time looking at this uh, mid cap stock. The company has announced a flurry of deals and major changes to its business just in 2018, the past couple of months. So before we dive into all that stuff, though, Asa, can you give us a quick overview of this business, uh, what they're known for? Absolutely. <clears throat> Spectrum Brands mirrors some of the larger conglomerates that we talk about. It's got its fingers in a number of different businesses. It has a market cap of nearly $6 billion. It's organized into five major segments. These are global batteries and appliances, hardware and home improvement, global pet supplies, home and garden, and global auto care. Now, we're going to put global batteries and appliances to the side, although we're going to talk about that a lot in this segment. Uh, This is now a discontinued operation uh, because the company has announced a sale of this business to Energizer Holdings for $2 billion in cash. Mm-hmm. So this, within this segment that it's sold, um, Global Batteries and Appliances, it has a number of appliance brands, which it's looking now to sell to 
a number of other buyers which have not been disclosed. But these brands on the appliance side within this one segment include um, George Foreman, Black & Decker, Juiceman, and Breadman. Breadman. And I want to say, sell everything but the George Foreman brand. <laughs> George Foreman, he can sell anything. Yes. He can sell anything for Spectrum Brand Holdings. So in this next phase, they're looking to get rid of the appliance brands within this segment that they call Global Batteries and Appliances. So I know that's a lot to absorb. I'm going to repeat these segments again, so we'll have a handle on them. Global Batteries and Appliances, uh, of which the batteries has just been announced to, to have been sold. Hardware and Home Improvement, Global Pet Supplies, Home and Garden, and Global Auto Care. Um, now, I'd like to briefly just talk about some of the brands that are in the other segments. Please do. So these are it's a great stable of brands. These include the Quickset um, Lock Business, Fister. Mm-hmm. And that's in the home segment. Tetra Fish Products, which many of you will remember from when you were growing up buying those products. And the Dingo Pet Brands. Spectricide and Black Flag in Home and Garden. And Armor All and STP in the auto business. So these are some really strong household names, very well-known labels that can be exploited. And they have higher margins than the business that is just being sold, the battery business. Uh, so I'll flip it back to you, Vince, but that's a brief overview of this company. Yep. So battery business going to Energizer for about $2 billion. There isn't a final buyer yet for the small appliances business, but they say that they're currently in talks with potential buyers doing their some of their due diligence and in discussions for that. They expect proceeds from the sale of that business to be about $1.5, maybe $1.7 billion. So total proceeds uh, from these divestments over $3.5 billion, and these are on top of three years of exits that the companies made from other smaller businesses that accounted for about $100 million of sales, so much smaller, but this is kind of a uh, climactic effort in terms of an ongoing uh, multi-year kind of strategic change. But on top of that, as if that wasn't enough, this huge restructuring for the company uh, Spectrum Brands is also combining with HRG Group. So that's a holding company that controls about a 60% ownership stake in Spectrum Brands. And so the so Spectrum is comb- uh, is going to be merging with HRG Group uh, the, the way they kind of uh, position it and, and explain it to investors. It's better governance, kind of broaden the base of holders for the stock. It's generally as you know they see as a beneficial move for the company. But if we focus in terms of the business itself and some of management's priorities, so they're getting all this money, right, $3.5 billion or so from these sales, and they've noted that they want to use the proceeds to reduce their debt, uh, repurchase shares, and also look into acquisitions that will help them expand uh, their current, uh, their remaining business segments, uh, the ones that you mentioned, Asad, and the way the, I, th- I believe it was the CEO described it, he said, more channels, more categories, and more countries. So, yeah. Wanting to expand in the geographic areas, and the focus, of course, here getting rid of the, of those two other segments is to focus on the more profitable ones and seeing what kind of opportunities they can find there. So North America, as after the sale of the battery business, and I believe the appliance business, North America will make up about eighty five percent of sales for the company. So you can kind of understand why they see those new geographic areas, those countries being uh, somewhere they can can expand to a little bit more, and. Uh, Going forward, it seems like management is going to have a much larger risk appetite to pursue higher growth and higher margin businesses uh, with the divestments 
the company's EBITDA margin should uh, improve pretty significantly, I believe, going from 17% in fiscal 2017 to 21% in 2018, according to analyst estimates. And the uh, more on the finance financial side, cash flow in the year after the various restructuring will remain pretty consistent at about $630 million. Uh, in, the two metrics that management really seems to focus on, based on uh, the calls I was reading and the presentations they give, are their adjusted EBITDA and their free cash flow figures. Um, so uh, we'll get a, we'll talk a little bit more about their stock trading valuation as well, uh, some other opportunities they're looking into. Um, but what else has jumped out to you uh, in terms of the stock, this story, Asset? Right. So this story isn't quite as rosy to date. Uh, as the pool corporation mm-hmm. story, stock has given a decent return to investors over the past five years. It's returned exactly 100%. Uh, so that's not a bad return. Uh, however, it's seeing some of the same challenges that its larger peers are experiencing. And the strategy that this management team is taking with vis-a-vis the a more aggressive risk profile is a combination of what we've discussed on this show, two of our favorite companies to talk, to talk about, Procter & Gamble and Unilever, uh, it's taken strategies from both of their playbooks. Mm-hmm. So um, Procter & Gamble sold its own Duracell battery business to Warren Buffett's Berkshire Hathaway in 2016. Nobody wants to be in this uh, battery business. It's a low-margin business. And in fact, batteries uh, dragged down the operating margin of this segment to 11%, while other segments, such as the home segment, um, are generating operating margins of 22%. Uh, for Spectrum brand holding. So it's getting rid of the low margin business, taking that money has been said, and it's going to buy some faster growing businesses uh, in more promising sectors. First item of business, of course, is take care of that debt. As Vince mentioned, it's a little highly leveraged. It, it has a debt to EBITDA um, multiple of about five times, which is a bit high. That'll yes. come down after it gets this infusion of cash. Looking at Unilever, what Unilever has done, which we've talked about on the show, they've been very aggressive in buying up small companies in what it deems to be promising sectors. So like P&G, divest the stuff that isn't making money. And like Unilever, spend that cash for bolt-on acquisitions in the, the areas like home improvement and pet care, and perhaps even some more of uh, these products such as um, the Black Flag and the Auto Armor All STV that we, we talk about. So the company wants to leverage its financial structure. Um, after it pays down debt, it may re-up. We've seen this before with consumer goods companies. The bottom line is that like its larger competitors, uh, so far Spectrum Brands, if you look at their most recent quarter, quarter has 2% organic revenue growth. It's just in line with that bigger sector, but it's a much more it's a smaller, tinier company than a company like Unilever. So the path to growth is a lot smoother if they buy the right businesses. And that's the magic. It's not just going out and spending when you're flush with cash. It's identifying the ones which are a good fit for your business and your management team. So I think it's at sort of an inflection point here. Although that stock chart doesn't look quite as attractive as Pool Corporation, I think going forward, they have the tools to spark some revenue growth and some operating income growth, which may lead to a higher valuation, which I'll talk about in just a second. What are your thoughts on the strategy um, and valuation events? Yeah, I'll just add uh, a, a little bit of detail uh, to some of the things you said. For example, uh, on that debt side, 
Five times agree, definitely higher, higher than where management wants to be. Um, they have over $4 billion of debt on their balance sheet. But management has also said they're not going to dedicate too much of the proceeds that they're getting from the sales of their uh, appliances and batteries business to reducing this level. They're thinking something in a range of maybe three and a half to four times, something more sustainable. And then the bolt-on acquisitions, definitely something the company's looking at, something that they've emphasized in their communications to the investment community. But they're also trying to, and every company's, of course, always working on this, but work in better uh, marketing, better product innovation, and crossing uh, some of the current businesses that they're in into new categories, um, as we mentioned. So, more channels, more categories, more countries. Uh, on those first two, for example, it might be expanding their in terms of their armor. Armor All auto care business into air fresheners for the car, and for pet foods, for example, getting into mass channels and improving the distribution for those products. In terms of the valuation, so the stock's taken a beating in the past year, down 25%. Um, though looking out further to about five and 10 years, it's managed to outperform the broad market. Uh, so, in terms of valuation, this is a little bit difficult because of the all the changes that are going on at the company. And you know, that battery business was 40% of the top line previously. It was considered the core of Spectrum Brands the company. And if you look back uh, five, seven years, it was a it was by far the biggest part of the company. And now for them to exit it, I think it surprised a lot of investors. But the stock trades about 23 times Ford estimates and there's still some uncertainty and kind of factoring how things change with that merger with HRG2. This one was really tough, I think, on the on valuation front and kind of looking out uh, into the future to ha- for me to just grasp everything that's going on. I don't know how you felt about it, Asset. Yeah, it's it's complex. There are a lot of moving parts and pieces. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of the things which hit the stock in the past year included uh, restructuring charges that the company took on some of those lower growth businesses, as well as consolidating its footprint for its auto business in Dayton, and also consolidating its hardware and home improvement distribution in Kansas. So those were some one-time events that really pushed the stock down a little bit. But then with this merger, that makes it a little more difficult to uh, value. Although the merger, as we said, is with their major stockholder, which already owns 60%. Yep. I want to point out one thing about that merger is that um, the company, which uh, now will be the combined entity by merging, has a insurance company that they've picked up um, an insurance arm. And I think that this will be uh, something that um, gets divested in a few years. So it's a $10 billion deal, as you mentioned. The insurance company is called Front Street Re, which is based in Delaware, and that is owned by HRG, the majority shareholder. So it's not a great fit with this combined consumer goods business. That could lead to a little bit of a bounty a few years down the road. And we've seen sometimes with when we see uh, consumer goods companies shuffle the deck and, and play cards and trade pieces back and forth, that one piece that doesn't fit tends to get spun off in a few years, which rewards shareholders. Um, and just one last thing from my uh, side to add, I do like the idea of um, these brand expansions. As, as you mentioned, Vince, they have a number of opportunities in the global side of things and maybe employ something like Coca-Cola's model, which Coke calls lift and shift. That's to lift a domestic brand and shift it onto another continent. And uh, Spectrum is doing that with the IAMS pet food 
which is very popular in the U.S., they're lifting that and shifting that to Europe. It's just one example. So uh, all in all, don't plunge your whole portfolio into this company, but definitely keep it on your radar screen. As I said, I think it's at an inflection point. And if we see a couple of quarters of good performance, let these acquisitions settle. This might be a very, very interesting play in the mid-cap space, which would grow faster than its peer competitor conglomerates that we talk about, like the P&Gs and Unilevers, which only stay um, a percent or two above the market over the long term. Thanks, Austin. And I, I'll just add to that in terms of if you take a position, it's definitely a case where you have to believe in the story that management's telling regarding the new direction of the business, this decision to spin off the battery business to small appliances, and their strategy uh, in terms of how they're going to leverage the remaining segments, those businesses, and, and grow them, whether that's uh, in, with new channels uh, or into the new countries uh, with that kind of strategy that you just mentioned, Asit. Uh, otherwise, thanks for listening, Fools, and thank you, Asit, for joining us again. Absolutely. Austin Morgan is a producer for Industry Focus. People in the program may own companies discussed in the show, and the Molly Fool may have more recommendations for or against any stocks mentioned, so don't buy or sell anything based only on what you hear during the program. Thanks again for listening. Fool on. Thank you.